If I put three pints on when I planted and I put two pints on later, that got me a yield increase. Global shortages are causing farm input costs to skyrocket. A better way to farm shows you how to take control of inputs and maximize profits so you can farm the way you want. Now, from America's heartland, here's your host. Merry Christmas. Rod here at A Better Way to Farm, where we help improve yields and increase profits. Guys, we are excited to be doing these 12 days of nutrients. It's a lot of fun. It's always great to see what we can learn new that makes us more effective in working with the people that we help. And so we're super excited about this opportunity to do this. Now, today, we start in on the micronutrients. Uh, Days 6 through 12 will be the micronutrients. We may do a wrap-up at the end. We'll see. But today, we start micronutrients. And micronutrients are grossly misnamed. And I give you this example. It's not that they're not important because they're very important. And we're going to talk about that here later. But some of the authors that we quote are going to say that. But I say they're misnamed because they're super important. They're just needed in a little bitty quantities. But they're grossly misnamed. And I'm going to give you an example of something else that is grossly misnamed. That would be the prairie dog. You know, we have friends that go out west and they shoot prairie dogs. I got friends that live out there. They have competitions between the husband and wife to shoot the prairie dogs. And and sometimes people who don't understand, they're like, oh, how could you do that? You're shooting these poor little prairie dogs, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, if you explain to them that it's really not a dog, it's a rat. So if we'd call them prairie rats, that same person who's upset because you're shooting prairie dogs is standing on a chair begging you to kill it. Okay, because it's a whole different ballgame. Well, micronutrients, same deal. Super important, misnamed, because they're named after the fact they need a little bit. But they're super important. That's what we should be calling them as super important nutrients. I like to start oftentimes with the agronomy handbook from Midwest Labs. And they are going to help us today. The first micro we're going to talk about is boron. And I am very excited about this particular product because I believe, guys, that it's going to make a big difference in your operation. If you haven't explored boron, do some digging, do some reading, give us a call. But I think there's a lot of money here for you to be had in getting this thing to work for you. So the first thing I want to point out, and I may quote this multiple times this week, I don't know, but Midwest Labs talks about the fact that deficiencies in micronutrients may prevent crop response to applied phosphorus fertilizers. In other words, if we don't have the micronutrients in the right levels, putting on all the phosphorus in the world doesn't help us. It doesn't make it better. It doesn't fix it. And so that's kind of an important thing to be aware of as to why it is we don't want to overapply something that we don't need when we could apply something that's not very expensive. And before I dive into this, I want to consult our little sheet here, the roles of the 16 essential nutrients. And in regards to boron, here's what it has to say. It's essential for germination of pollen grains and the growth of pollen tubes. It is essential for seed and cell wall formation. It promotes maturity. It's necessary for sugar translocation, and it affects nitrogen and carbohydrates. Guys, this is really important because I don't know if you've ever seen an ear that didn't pollinate correctly, but a lot of times boron is something that's responsible for bloom. Well, in a corn plant, the bloom is the tassel. It's also responsible for the silking. So if you have inadequate silking or you have inadequate boron, then you end up with less than what you need in the way of a crop or less than what you deserve. Now, your boron, and and one of these books talks about I don't know if I'm going to find it in there, but I want to share this with you. Pull your soil test, and I'm sure we're going to do at some point in time, we're going to do a session here on soil tests. 
but pull your soil test. And if your soil test doesn't have a reading for zinc, manganese, boron, magnesium, sulfur, copper, iron, and all of the other nutrients that are important, then you need to get a new person doing your soil testing. Okay, plain and simple. But let's assume that you do have it and you have a boron level on there. It's real simple. You go to your test, you look at your boron level. Is it 0.8 or above? If it is, you're probably okay. You're not high, you're just okay. But if you're like 95% of the rest of America and you're below 0.8 parts per million, then you're hurting. And we look at a lot of tests that are 0.1, 0.2, 0.3. Those guys are really, really low in boron, and that's gonna create a lot of stress within your life. So the first thing we're gonna look at here is to talk about the fact that cropland acres are frequently found to be deficient in one or more of the micronutrients, boron, copper, manganese, iron, zinc, and molybdenum. In many situations, a deficiency of a certain micronutrient is the factor responsible for the ineffective utilization of your major and secondary nutrients supplied through fertilizer programs and liming programs. In other words, everything else that you do is kind of wasted if you don't have this fixed. Talks about some of the situations where you can really get hurt on micros that you might be looking at. If you're one of the people who lives where you've been doing land forming or land leveling, and a lot of the guys doing a surface irrigation, flood irrigation, so to speak, you know, and they may cut that soil. And when you take off that top several inches at one end of the field and move them to the other end of the field, that can really have you upside down on your micronutrients. Another thing that will actually hurt you and have your micronutrients be out of whack and be too low is having high phosphorus levels. Just the fact that you have really high phosphorus level can indicate that you're going to then be deficient in some micros, either by percentage or just in the fact that they get forced out. And it's been high phosphorus levels have been found in some areas to induce micronutrient deficiencies. And so we don't want to be a part of that game. We don't want to be short in something. We don't want to be long in it, but we don't want to be short. It is important, guys, to apply your micronutrients early. Now, with boron, you need to put it on early, and you need to put it on repeatedly. Why is that? I'm going to come back and hit this again, but here's the deal. Boron does not translocate in the plant. It doesn't move. And so you have to have it available throughout the growing season. But Midwest Labs says that a high percentage of the micronutrient requirements that are taken up during the first third of the growing period. Therefore, these should be applied before or at planting. And that's kind of an important concept is to make sure we're replacing everything except boron. Now, when we're talking about boron, guys, we never put it on the seed, ever. If someone brings you a product, and there's a lot of them out there, and they've got, you know, 14 nutrients in one jug, and they're going to give everything you need right here, right now. It's in this jug. And if you live in Ohio, it's what you need. If you live in North Dakota, it's what you need. If you live in Iowa, it's what you need. Guys, that's a joke. I can't be kind about this. It's a joke. You need to soil test and you need to put on the micros that are called for, not what somebody needs to sell. You know, oftentimes the way the micronutrients work is they say, hey, there's margin here and I need to sell some of these. Wrong answer. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking at what is it that your soil needs, each field. And so when we do this, we don't want to do a shot. So if they, here's a real red flag though. They come to you with everything you need in one jug and they say you can replace this and it's got boron in there. Here's the deal. If there's enough boron in that jug to make a difference to the crop, it's going to kill the germination. If there's not enough boron in there to kill the germination, then it's not going to make a difference to the crop. You know, 
sometimes playing all of these different micronutrients from one jug is a lot like taking a hot shower. It makes you feel better for a little bit, but it just doesn't last. And so what do we want to do? We want a soil test. We want to put on the right product, the right place, right time, right rate. And the fact with boron is the right way to put it on the right place is any place except in the seed trench. It can be two by two. It can be broadcast with chemicals. It can go on with your nitrogen. It can be four by four. It can be fully or fed. It can be anything except in the seed trench. And so we want to make sure that we're taking a look at that and, and, and applying it properly. Here's your conditions that are very conducive to a deficiency of all micronutrients. The removal of large amount by high yielding crops. Obviously, you guys are pulling more and more off. Leaching, especially boron, leaching in sandy soils. Naturally high pH. We've talked a lot about that there. Overlime soils that brought about a high pH. Land leveling, we talked about that earlier. Additions of really high rates of phosphorus. They've hit this twice already in two pages. It must be important. Soil compaction, cool, wet growing conditions, and the use of sensitive crop varieties. And so those are some of the reasons we'd be looking at why we would want to do that. Now, in particular, specifically, not just micros, but talking about boron. Boron availability decreases on fine textured, heavy clay, and high pH soils. So if you have any of the above, you're likely to not be able to get what you need out of it. Fine textured soils with a high pH, or those which have been heavily limed, may have a limited amount of boron available for plant growth. And it will leach. Guys, we talked about this with sulfur. What are your three nutrients that are negatively charged, just like the ground is negatively charged? Nitrogen, sulfur, and boron. So that means they're going to run away every year and we're going to have to reapply. So we just want to be aware of that and make sure that we're doing the right thing to get that out there in the timely fashion so that we can have what we need and get the crop that we deserve. Boron, guys, is needed again. It's for protein synthesis. It's associated with an increased cellular activity that promotes maturity with an increased set of flowers or blooms. It affects yield and quality. It also affects your nitrogen and your carbohydrates metabolism and water relations in the plant. Guys, I want to talk about something here for a minute. I had a phone call today and the guy was talking about the fact that his bean yields were so good that the federal crop people were saying, mm, we're not sure about this. And so he went through all the scale tickets and showed him everything. But here's the deal. He was in an area that had a pretty hard drought and the neighbors were taking considerably less off. But guys, here's the thing about a plant, bean plant, corn plant, wheat plant, milo, don't care. They're going to forage and you understand all plants take their nutrients in in a liquid form or they have to absorb them where the ions actually accumulate on the root itself. Okay, but a lot of it comes in in the liquid form because they absorb them through the roots. And when we do that, we use moisture. And so if your plant, let's just pretend that your plant is short on boron. That's the one thing you're short on. So all season long, your plant just keeps sucking up water, taking more water, taking more water because it needs the boron. It doesn't need that, but it wastes that water. It gives it off back into the atmosphere and we lose it, it's called luxury consumption of water. We don't want our plants doing luxury consumption of water. We don't. And so we want to address these things and make sure that we're getting them there. So that's how it impacts those water relations in that plant. One of the things that they highly recommend out of Midwest Labs is that in addition to a soil analysis, a complete plant, a complete plant analysis will assist in isolating areas where micronutrient deficiencies may exist. 
Be sure to collect the correct plant based on the proper stage to get the right analytical results. And there's a sample in here on pages 22, 24, and 25 that tells you when to send in how much of the plant, what leaf to send in, and those things. Guys, this book is your friend. Download it for free. Call them and buy it. But get your hands on it as soon as you can. It's well documented that alfalfa has a very high need for boron. We want to make sure that we're meeting that need. Again, coming here out of the Western Fertilizer Handbook, they're talking about the fact that it also is associated with calcium utilization. Whenever the proportion of calcium to boron in a plant becomes unbalanced because of the deficiency in boron, the terminal part of the plant fails to develop properly. And what are your symptoms according to them? Well, first of all, an acute boron shortage will produce marked changes in the tip of the growing plant. The terminal bud will become light green in color and paler at the base than it is at the tip. Okay, so those are some of the things that you can be looking for in an attempt to know if you have a boron deficiency. And guys, if you suspect anything, please immediately do some tissue testing. You know, for 22 bucks a sample, you can get the, those tissue tests ran. I want to share with you, not out of the books, but this is out of some work that we did. I think you guys, most of you know that for many years we had a test plot planner and we planted plots all over the United States from Wyoming out into Pennsylvania and from Wisconsin down into to mid to south Texas and everywhere in between. A lot of years we'd have 20 or 25 plots. I think that's one of the reasons that I love Kinsey so much. It's so much of his book is him just telling stories. But there are stories where he went out and he did the work and he did the plots. And when you do the plots and you run a thousand test plots, you're very, very, very convinced as to what you see. Because after you've seen it a thousand times, you don't care what anyone else says. You know what you had. Kinsey was taking the whole industry head on when he was doing this. But he was based off what he saw, what he did, and therefore what he knew. And one of the things that we learned early on was, to me, it made sense. I cannot put all my nitrogen on or I can put too much on up front and not have it later. And so it made sense because boron was negatively charged. It would run away too. And I've already talked about the fact that most of these books say you need to put it on multiple times throughout the growing season. But we figured out that anytime we put on more than about three pints of our own boron at a time, we didn't get a different response. I could put on three pints and at the same time I could put on five pints and that brought me no difference in yield. Now, if I put three pints on when I planted, and I put two pints on later, that got me a yield increase. And so some of these guys are needing five, six, seven, nine, ten pints of boron to get the crop to do what it needs to. And guys, I really want to talk about the fact that there is a relationship. We talked about it multiple times, but there is a relationship between phosphorus availability and your boron. And you have to have the right boron level. The mycorrhiza bacteria flourish because they need boron to flourish and that makes your phosphorus more available. And if we do something in that soil, we use a bactericide, we kill them off, whatever it might be that we did to hurt them, then getting the boron level up is going to be critical in order to get that back where you want it to get those texts in me. Today, her text said, Dad, so-and-so is here speaking and I'm literally physically biting my tongue so that I don't take him head on. As the student, she doesn't feel like that would be respectful, but it's hard to listen to people talk about stuff that we've known for 40 or 50 years just isn't so. According to the University of Illinois Extension, two pounds of boron will kill corn. This fellow I was working with used four pounds of actual boron to the acre, and if he couldn't get it on any other way, he would fly it on. He said it made him more corn. When asked exactly what four pounds of boron did for him, he said, well, it makes the cobs longer. 
it looked like the ears actually got longer because they filled all the way to the end and put a kernel on the tip. And so everybody at that, you know, you know, or 1491, the whole world knew that the world was flat. And then in 1492, they realized it wasn't flat anymore. And at this point in time, when he wrote this, the whole world knew that four pounds of boron would kill your corn until this guy put on four pounds and got a yield increase. And so I think those are things that we've got to make sure that we're looking at. And guys, I encourage you, do some tests every year. I just talked to my buddy Scott here 15 minutes ago. He just finished going through the fundamentals of agronomy again. He was talking about some of the stuff that happened there, and, and it was great to talk to him. But when he was talking, he was talking about the fact he's, he's experimented with a lot of things. He said, I've had a lot of train wrecks, but I respect the fact that every year he's looking and he's trying, because that's important to be able to do that. Neil goes on to say, but for corn, soybeans, and wheat, farmers rarely consider the boron requirement. If it happens to be the weakest link in the chain, repair of its shortfall will furnish quite an increase, as much as five to 30 bushels, depending on the crop, making boron an excellent example of the principle of hidden hunger for most field crops. Using a soil test is the only safe approach to detect these problems prior to planting, and then a tissue test to confirm them afterwards. And so... He's very big on, on doing that soil test for that. And guys, we are too. And I want to encourage you that you need to be taking a look at a complete test. And I cannot give you enough push to go do that. On corn, for example, if there's not enough phosphate, the boron will be thwarted and a lack of grain fill can result. Corn requires adequate phosphate and adequate boron for proper ear fill. Guys, everything is interconnected and everything matters. We've talked about this. If your nitrogen rates are high, the need for boron is always enhanced. Excessive amounts of calcium will also increase the need for boron. Boron will increase the availability of your nitrogen. It has several other functions in the plant as well, including cell division, pollination, fruit set, and seed development. It carries starch from the leaf into the grain of the fruit. That adds test weight. So when available boron runs out, production suffers. It also helps in the nodulation of legumes. Boron's important for your soybeans. Boron is important for your alfalfa. Crops require a continuous supply because once the boron is utilized by a plant, it has served its purpose and it cannot be used again. So what you put in early on, you got to put in some more later because it, it actually used it up. Several applications through the season would be ideal if where needed if that is possible. Conditions in the soil that really contribute to the boron deficiency are excessive potassium, excessive calcium, high soil pH, low organic matter, low moisture, and highly leached soils. Guys, excessive nutrients, over-applying nutrients is not the answer. It actually creates its own subset of problems. He goes on in here to talk about what I've already said, but considering the boron level for most crops, the minimum is 0.8 parts per million. If you don't have that, anything else is low to deficient in the soil. And if and boron is short, then it will strive to take care of the other things. Excellent boron levels would be anything above 1.5. And excessive is considered anything above 2.0. And so most of the people who are against selling boron, they come out and they say, look, boron is toxic. It is. So is water. You know, there, there's no question that we know if you don't believe water is toxic, get in a flood. It, it'll, it'll, and it doesn't have to be the current that takes away. It can be backwater that will kill your plants. 
people have literally died from drinking too much water in too short of a period of time. So anything in excess is toxic. And I will tell you this, in 30 years, in 30 years, I have never seen a boron test above 1.5 parts per million. And we have looked at thousands and thousands of tests. So I'm going to say on the law of averages, you are much more likely to be deficient than you are to be long. And we can see there's a lot of reasons that we want to use boron, a lot of things that it'll do. This is an important concept, and this applies to boron, but it also applies to all of the micronutrients, guys. When you start considering the micronutrients, keep this in mind. If you put on too little, you will not get up to what is considered to be the first plateau. In other words, if you are deficient in a certain micronutrient and you make an application, but you fail to get above the minimum requirement in terms of payback for that crop, you might as well have done nothing for that particular crop. Grain yield will not be adequately improved until you get above the minimum deficiency level. Guys, it's kind of like rubbing two sticks together. We can rub two sticks together and we can get a little bit of smoke. And if we quit rubbing them right there, we don't get a fire. You got to keep going. We got to have enough of your micronutrients to catch it on fire. And if we come up short, then we don't get anything. How many field experiments have been used to say micronutrients are not needed simply because the research involved did not properly consider that the soil must have no limiting major or secondary nutrients? And even then, potential results will not be achieved if the amounts fail to build levels sufficiently to reach the first critical plateau. Guys, I look at so much of this data that comes out. People saying, oh, you don't need boron. You don't need zinc doesn't work. I've seen that headline come out of a couple of land-grant universities recently. Zinc doesn't work. Well, if you're applying four pounds of zinc sulfate, you're probably correct because you're never going to get to this critical plateau. But if you're applying one, two, three, however many pints of zinc you need in the seed trench and you get the concentration, you get the fire to go, then you're going to get that. He's talking about the fact that, you know, you can run a test and if you run it correctly, you can make it say anything you want it to say. And that's what they're doing here. These guys are saying, and all furthermore, we have to fix boron, zinc. None of that's going to fix it by itself. You also need the NPK. You also need the calcium, magnesium, and sulfur and the other micros. We got to get it all right in order to get the response and do the things that we want to do. Even if use of commercial nitrogen is ceased, he's talking about the fact they went back in over a 15-year deal where they had applied way too much nitrogen to a soil. And even if the commercial nitrogen is ceased, the mycorrhiza will not come back until the boron has been increased to the toleration point. Once you get boron up to where it is supposed to be, then you can bring back the mycorrhiza fungi. And he has an anecdote that he shares here, and I'm going to share it with you because I think it's really good. In the late 70s, I had a client in southeast Missouri with whom I'd worked for a couple of years. His son graduated from an ag college in another state with a major in plant science and a minor in agronomy. He was there each year when recommendations were given for his dad's farm. Farm prices were low, and he wanted to farm, but right now he needed a job. He said, you know, if it would work out, I would like to work with you. So I hired him to pull samples and work with me. One day while working the same farm together, we stopped to eat lunch. He said, you know, Neil, I've been working for you for a couple of years now, and it took me 18 months to get my head straightened out. What you were telling me wasn't matching up with what I'd been taught in school. I had to start seeing examples and watching and looking at the soils to learn how what you said applied. If someone had said, you need to know about the cation exchange capacity and base saturation. I would have replied, I know about that. 
Our textbook had a section on exchange capacity, and it had a section on base saturations, but it didn't tell us how to use either one of those on the farm. The problem was the professors did not understand how to teach us to use it either. I never really learned how to use cation exchange capacity and base saturation until I started working with you. Les Brown, one of my favorite speakers, says, if they knew better, they'd do better. And so that's something that's very near and dear to my heart. And I think, guys, that what we're working on here is that so we can say we knew better and now we are doing better. And that's important to get it down to figure out what it is that we need to do and to do it to the best of our abilities. Looking at Donald's book, Donald Schrieffer's book here, just one short thing out of this. Again, guys, I'm pounding on this, but if they're all saying it, then it must be really important. Boron plays several key roles within the plant, including pollen viability and good seed set. How many of us want to have good viable pollen and how many of us want to have good seed set? It also is important for normal terminal growth, photosynthesis, and the movement of sugars. It is one of the most neglected of the trace ele elements because too often it's important as related only to tuber crops or alfalfa. It is a serious mistake to believe that boron is not needed for common farm crops such as corn and soybeans. Boron can be toxic, and that is particularly too if you have really low calcium, and certain crops are more sensitive to that. However, guys, again, we have not seen that. In general, it's preferred to limit its application and broadcast, although it can be used in bands next to the row. So we want to make sure that we're you know, putting it out there and we're getting it at the rate that we'll start the fire and get us rolling so we can get plenty of bloom, plenty of pollen, plenty of silk. We also want to get plenty of nitrogen utilization. We want to get plenty of starch moved into the kernel. That's where we're going to get our test weight. That's how we're going to make that better. From our fertilizer handbook here put out by the Fertilizer Institute, available boron may be leached easily from the root zone. Availability of boron decreases with decreasing soil moisture. Thus, boron deficiency, especially in alfalfa, cotton, and peanuts, is most frequent under drought conditions. It's involved in cell division and water metabolism. Because boron does not translocate within the plant as readily as other nutrients, a constant supply must be available throughout the growing season. There may be sufficient boron in the early season for normal growth and insufficient during seed development, which will result in poor grain and seed yields. Guys, so we do the wrong thing. We don't have enough micronutrients. Our plants are doing luxury consumption of water. They come out, they suck it up, they give it away, they waste it, and then we end up with a drought. And now what happens? Now our boron becomes less available. So now our plants are sucking up more water, trying to suck up more water, trying to get that boron in there. It's really important, guys, to do it all. It really is. And I just want to stress that. And boron is your friend if you're trying to become more tolerant of dry conditions. Looking in life and energy, again, telling us the same thing. Boron is a key element for filling the center of stems and fruits. Hollow-stemmed grains and alfalfa and hollow heart or black heart and potatoes is an indication of a boron deficiency. A hunger sign is the yellowing that starts at the tip and moves along the middle of the leaf. So what do we got? We got nitrogen starts in a V, works its way down. We got potassium, starts on the edges, looks like the plant leaf is dying off. We got sulfur that basically starts at the top, nitrogen that basically starts at the bottom. 
And now we've got another yellow to concern ourselves with, and that is boron. And what happens is, is that we are making sure that we don't have this yellow at the end that goes right down the center of the leaf. That's a real telltale sign. And by the time you get to that, the fact of the matter is you've lost significant yield. I hope that you never, ever see that. Again, guys, I want to restress this because there are some things that are super important. Never put boron on the seed. Under any circumstances, just don't. We had an individual on our team who did a lot of research also. He was, uh, he loved doing research. Uh, unfortunately, he had a car accident and we missed Dan very, very much. But he had tried the very first year, he was putting boron in with furrow jets on the wings. And while it worked in that one situation, he had really good moisture. And I am absolutely not comfortable with you applying boron through the wings of your furrow jets. Now, you want to try it on a very few acres? I'm fine with that. I think experiments are good. I think you guys learning everything that you can learn is fantastic. However, I am not okay with doing your whole farm like that because if we have a train wreck, that is not going to be a good thing for you. And so we're going to be very conservative in that approach as to what we do. Looking in our book, Soil Fertility and Fertilizers here, seeing what they have to say about boron. Under boron deficiency, normal cell wall expansion is disrupted. The cells don't multiply correctly. These functions are different in dicots, which would be a soybean, and monocots, which would be your grass, corn, and wheat. Grasses are less dependent upon boron for cell wall structure, although it is still important. Cell wall stability is especially important during the pollen tube growth that is essential for seed development. Serious yield reductions in grasses occur due to boron deficiency causing male sterility, as exhibited in poorly developed anthers and non-viable pollen grains. Being deficient in boron in anything is bad, especially in a dicot, it's probably worse. Now let's come back to what's that one, two-word, three-word phrase that we just keep hearing this year, organic matter. Soil organic matter. Higher boron availability in surface soils compared with subsurface soils is related to an increase in soil organic matter. Extra organic matter can release boron in implants. Guys, organic matter matters. We don't want to be doing anything that destroys it. And we know that everything from the fact that one point, one percentage point of organic matter holds three quarters of an inch of rain. You want to drought proof your crop, get your nutrients right. You want to drought proof your crop, raise your organic matter two points. That picks up an inch and a half of rain holding capacity. Again, boron deficiency is associated with dry weather where low soil moisture reduces the release from organic matter and therefore boron uptake is reduced and all of a sudden we're seeing another shortage in that. And last out of our 1100 page fine book here written by Brady and Wheel, I would love to meet these guys. They must be so incredibly intelligent. It would be fun to go to lunch with them one day. Boron, again, they agree, is one of the most commonly deficient micronutrients. The availability is related to pH, the element being most available in acid soils. While it is most available in a low pH, it's also rather easily leached in cold, sandy soils. And therefore... Although the deficiency of boron is relatively common on acid sandy soils and it occurs because of low supply of total boron and also because of low availability. So what do we got to do? What have we learned here today? Guys, we want to go through these soil tests. We want to look at what are those limiting factors. We want to look at what it is that's not letting us get 
the response that we want. And we want to make sure that we're putting on the right product at the right place at the right time at the right rate. For boron, I believe we have the right product. For boron, I believe the right rate is exactly what the soil test calls for. Not some shotgun approach, oh, I think you need this. I believe the right place is anywhere except on the seed, and I think the right time is some at planting or pre-plant, some with your first chemical pass, some with your next chemical pass, some when you side dress, and maybe some in a foliar feed. Because the more often that you put it on, the better off you are. Again, micronutrients, small in volume, huge in importance. Boron, the most underused micronutrient according to all of these guys in these books. So I want to encourage you to take a look at it. Folks, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, again, we have a bunch of these two-day Fundamentals of Agronomy courses going on all across the United States. If you want to get involved, reach out. 641-919-1206. Give us a call. We would love to talk to you. Send us a text. So I hope that you spend a little bit of time, maybe do a little research on boron on yourself. And if you've never looked at it, I really want to encourage you to look at it. If it's not on your soil tests, you need to be talking to whoever your agronomist is and say, hey, we got to fix this. This is a problem. With that being said, I hope you guys are having a great buildup coming into the holiday season. And I really do hope you guys are having a better day. A better way to farm.com. You're listening on the Verbal Crowd Network. Find more great shows at verbalcrowd.com.